0: Welcome to the Writer's Jihad. In Islam, jihad means the struggle for peace, the greatest of which is within ourselves. For most writers, we imagine that once we make it, we'll be at peace, but that's not true. The top professionals find peace as elusive as anyone else. The Writer's Jihad is a podcast series of interviews with writers at different points in their careers talking about the struggle for peace in their industry. Every award-winning professional began as an unpublished amateur, we all start at the same place. We all face the same struggles. And we shouldn't hide those struggles behind the mystique of the craft, nor the glamour of success. If we can help each other, we should. So today, I am talking with Ashley. Hello, Ashley. Hello, Ash. So why don't you introduce yourself to everyone? Um, I'm Ashley.
1: I am at the very beginning of my career and that I don't have one yet <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, So I'm basically still just uh, gathering all of my thoughts and attempting to create something that I think is not better for.
0: You, yeah you and everyone else <laughs> <laughs> right you and everyone else um, so um, when, when I uh, when I started um... When I came up with this idea for this series of, of a podcast um I made a list of people that I wanted to talk to and of course, you're on that list you're one of the first people I asked um and i I wanted different voices from different points in the career and when I brought this up, you started talking about how you felt that that's that you you shouldn't be talked to almost uh which was you know this question of imposter syndrome right so that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about imposter syndrome. So uh, why don't you define imposter syndrome first? You. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. So first of all, I mean, I'm um, flattered that, that you would think of me and that you would want to speak to me. Uh, I mean, you know, even a year ago, if if somebody had said you, know, oh, you're going to sit down with us and you're going to do a podcast, I would have been like, to... <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Um, so, <laughs> so you know that was a bit of a oh really oh okay that's that's an interesting perspective, uh, interesting shift in my worldview. Sure. Um, and yeah, I I sort of thought that you had this lovely idea to do this podcast, but I I felt that I you know had a bit of imposter syndrome. Hmm. You know, even sort of coming on. To talk about it, and you went, Oh, then why why don't you talk about that? (laughs) I couldn't say no at that point.
0: Why don't you talk about the fact that you don't feel I should be interviewing you? (laughs) Like, that's let's talk about that fact, right? Yeah,
1: right. So, um, you know, I kind of sat down and I had a think on it. I thought, Okay, well, why do I feel this way? Mm. And I think that in my case, um, Probably probably not alone here. We'll, we'll get to, I'm sure. It's, you know, you think you don't belong somewhere. Mm-hmm. Right? You feel like you're an imposter because the situation that you're in or the dynamic that you're in, mm-hmm. you feel like you don't belong there. Right. Um, and that's, yeah, that's kind of how I felt. I was, you yeah. know, if we had been looking at each other when you asked me, I would have looked over my shoulder to who we were actually talking to. Right, right. Right, yeah. Because
0: you oh, you can't possibly be talking to me, but of course you are. So yeah, I so, yeah. I, mean, I get that. Um, I think one of the <clears throat> one of the things that's so interesting is this about imposter syndrome is that um, Neil Gaiman has it. Neil Gaiman yeah. famously told told a story about how he was at some really important dinner, Buzz Aldrin was there. And a whole bunch of other people. And he's standing there going, why am I here? How did I get here? I shouldn't be on the, the guest list. This is ridiculous. I don't belong here. Right? And Buzz Aldrin, he ends up somehow talking to Buzz Aldrin. So the two of them are in a corner somewhere. And they're chatting. Buzz Aldrin says to him, I can't believe I'm here. I don't belong here. I'm a nobody. Right? And he went, even Buzz Aldrin gets it. So imposter syndrome is a thing that can happen to anyone um at any point in their career so what's it like for you as you're starting out it, yeah i mean um I mean, when you say you're starting out by I, the way how long have you been how long have you been starting
1: well i guess that depends on um you know if research uh, counts it does in, in which case i've been researching my entire life right I've been an avid reader I've watched tons of movies I've consumed lots of television let's let's um, say
0: it start it starts when you decide you're gonna actually write something oh like you want to write high school then I
1: guess high school I wrote some yeah I wrote some stuff in high school that my teachers thought was pretty good
0: how long um, ago was high I, school
1: oh oh Gosh. Okay, um, that's a very good question. Uh, high school was the late nineties. Okay. <laughs> so okay, so we're the same age. Yeah, yeah, we're pretty okay. close. Okay, fine. We're pretty close. Okay. Um. Uh. Yeah. So high school, I I wrote some stuff that you know got well, was well received by my teachers. And the university, I I wrote some essays that were well received right. by those teachers. Um. But it was sort of one of those things that I I I couldn't really stick with, Mm -hmm. you know, for whatever reason. Sure. Um, That I've sort of just picked up again in earnest recently.
0: Okay. Um, So I said, okay. So how long ago was recently then? How long? This section. Last year or so. Oh, so it's very recent.
1: Very recent. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, hang on. Pandemic time is different. I would probably vote a year before the pandemic, let's
0: say. You're right. Pandemic time is this weird blip. Time does yeah. not work. You're quite right. Uh, okay, so a year prior to the pandemic, so it's actually been closer to three years now.
1: Oh gosh, okay. <laughs> yes, yes, that makes sense. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. Okay, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, is, yeah, it's quite terrifying. Um, <laughs> the pandemic has messed that up. Um, okay so and so how is how is this this feeling manifested in these three years oh um like has it ha, how has it affected you as you write as you try as you're trying to to, to produce things are you like second guessing yourself a lot um
1: yeah i mean it, it can be really difficult um sort of trying to to find your voice and to come across as authentic if you feel like you don't belong. You don't yeah. You know, it's sort of it's sort of one of those things where like like I you know you used a Neil example earlier and I think he said something similar where a writer is somebody who writes. Start writing and finish a thing. Right. And once you've finished that thing, start another thing. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I am still in the in the stage of attempting to finish a thing. I Mm -hmm. don't think I've finished a single thing. Right. Um, and you know part of that is sort of like oh, i don't know what i'm doing you know sure. i guess i'm not a writer but you know i i guess all
0: writers go through this um, yeah yeah i mean right? this this is the, the the issue that i like I, I really like neil gaiman i think he seems like a, a genuinely lovely person but um that whole writer's right thing uh i i find that stuff really insensitive Um because it's them saying this is what I do and therefore that's what everyone else everyone else is supposed to do this the same way that I do it. Uh I've got you writers write, writers finish. And I I remember um after I got my book deal with McKee, um, I would start saying I'm a writer that's how I would introduce myself. I wouldn't introduce myself as someone who's trying to be. I'd say I am a writer. Um, because the idea that in order for me to have been given the opportunity with McKee meant I already have had to have done the work in advance. So therefore I had to have been the writer, right? I do, you don't you know you don't write the story after it's been published. You have to have written it before it becomes published. But people don't talk to you like you're a writer until it's been published. Right?
1: Yeah, it's a really strange sort of chicken-egg scenario. It is.
0: So I was at a convention, comic convention, and I was introducing myself as a writer to people. Um, And I was friends with a bunch of professionals there. And one of the people there, uh, a guy called uh, Jimmy Palmiati, uh, he asked me, oh, what do you do? And I'm uh, I'm a writer. He goes, oh, what have you written? I said, oh, it hasn't been published yet. And then he started uh, mocking me and started saying, well, oh, well, that doesn't make you a writer. I could say I'm a surgeon, but I haven't done any surgery and all that stuff. And I'm like, I've just been given a book deal with the guy who teaches Pixar and you're going to tell me that I'm not a writer. I mean, I didn't say anything. I just let him go off. And then I was like, OK, fine. And then I walked away. And like, that was the end of it. Um, but that kind of mentality of a writer is someone who writes. And therefore, by definition, someone who gets published and finishes it. You were writing before you finished the book. Yeah. Right? You were already writing. Yeah. So it, there's this, I find it insensitive because there's a lot of reasons why people can't finish something and why people have struggle getting work published when it is finished. There's so much difficulty to it. And to say that that person isn't a writer because they didn't, it's not got a certain level of professional success. Um, I think reinforces this sense that you don't belong, that you're a fraud, that you're an imposter, right? Because that you know, that's just not how. That's not the reality of it. It's not how. Yeah, it's, it's not true.
1: It's a bizarre form of gatekeeping.
0: Get yeah, it is. You're quite it is yeah. a form of gatekeeping. Now, I, I should qualify. I mean, I I like Neil. Gaiman. <laughs> no, I don't. No. I don't think. <laughs> I don't think he's intending to gatekeep, but. I think when he gives that advice to people, it's a, bit, it's a bit like Superman sort of going, oh, you want to fly? Simple, just jump and miss the ground. <laughs> it's like, dude, we're not, we're not you. I know, I, know, I know you are a humble man. I know that you are very sweet and kind, but you're also kind of an amazing writer with an incredible amount. Like you're, He's a writing rock star with an incredible career and in history. Uh, and uh, you know, a body of work, and telling people a writer is just someone who writes and finishes it. There's so many people who are looking at you, and they're looking at their work, and they can't see how their work can ever get to where you were, and they, they can't see it, and so they can't even finish it because they can't see how they get to you. And him just saying, well, don't, just keep going, eventually you'll get there. That's not it's not helpful. It doesn't stop that feeling. And he has that feeling, so he should. He should. You know, he's aware of it. So I think he's a very sensitive person. Is what I'm saying. But I think that phrase is, is unintentionally insensitive and a bit gatekeeping. It's unintentional. I should qualify.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, any sort of any sort of feeling that you have when you're less than. Hmm. whether you've been taught when you're little that you're less than for you know whether it's your gender or your your religion or the color of your skin or or anything you know automatically sort of intrinsically in your body sets you down a path of imposter syndrome depending on what demographic you're surrounded by
0: you mentioned this when we were chatting before we started recording about how um your DVD collection, I think you said, has just has <laughs> yeah. has all these problematic things in it. That uh, and the phrase you used was they have the message of women aren't worth a whole lot.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, but I, if I go back and and look at my DVD collection from my formative years, um, when I was buying and collecting DVDs, I've got things like Bitter Moon and Onegin and, Yegin, and um, Anna Karenina and um, you know Dangerous Liaisons and uh, Julie Tiltmore's Titus you know and these are all absolutely fabulous films and wonderful stories they're mm. just very problematic if you are an impressionable young woman <laughs> they're terribly problematic
0: <laughs> right right
1: you've got all these cool amazing actors with all these cool amazing costumes saying these these bitingly hurtful lines that are just so scathingly good that you can't not admire them and yeah. yet you know, when you're older you go back and you revisit this stuff you take a step back and go oh that's horribly toxic i <laughs> <laughs> took that as as you no know, yeah a spoonful of sugar or whatever. <laughs> I, mean, oh, I mean
0: with with Bitter Moon and Dangerously Liaisons, I feel the fact that they're toxic is kind of the point, right? Like this, like the, the, the stories make it clear these people are not good people and they don't have happy endings. But um It's true. But this sense of like this sense that women aren't worth a whole lot and so therefore what you're you're doing isn't worth a whole lot, right? And so you're holding yourself up to someone else's standards of what you're supposed to be, right?
1: Yeah, like like your experiences are less than mm. your perspective or point of view will be less than right. Um, so like, why even try? Right. You know, and that sort of led me down a path of all right, then I need to think differently, and I need to think this way. Mm. You know, and then you know, trying to write in a voice that is you know very obviously inauthentic but i'm sort of forcing that right you know because i've got this predisposition in mind that i don't even know i have right yeah it's a bit difficult to overcome right um, it is i think things are starting to get better now but yeah. a very very small
0: but, uh, but i i mean you i mean you you do yeah it's it's definitely a thing um That people feel, Uh, I I totally empathise with it Um, because, like, um, I grew up watching Star Trek. I, you know, I love Star Trek, Um, but there are times when I'm watching it, I just cringe at things like the Prime Directive and stuff like that. And I'm just like, I'm sorry. We live in a world now where the medicine to cure river blindness in Africa, there's a section I think it's in Africa where people are suffering river blindness the drug that cures them costs 50 cents and we don't give it to them and it's disgusting right and the thing the thing about that is like when i see jean-luc picard saying yeah we're not going to save these indigenous aliens because the prime directive. i'm i'm sorry i don't agree (laughs) i don't agree um yeah and so and, and there are other little things in star trek that are very sort of American left-wing, sort of secular responses to a very autocratic, evangelical, toxic pseudo-Christianity thing that they have over there. Um, where, you know, like, the, like, uh, I, I mean, you must be aware of this, because I learned about this from talking to other women, about how the 60s free love movement was really just a way of taking advantage of women by basically tricking them into having sex and then running up film
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not that old.
0: No, I know not you're not sorry. that old. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know you're not that old. But, uh,
1: no, no, I am. I, uh, that's an interesting concept. Um, You know, you would like to think that it was sort of both ways. Right. That, you know. Right. People were just sort of doing whatever they wanted to and that that was both people, but... Socially, if you look at, you know, birth control availability and, uh, you know, safe abortion availability and, you know, all that really complicated nebulous stuff, um, that really shouldn't be that complicated, should just be available. Um, you know, you, one could say that the men did sort of have more free reign to just kind of do whatever. Uh, without any repercussions
0: mm-hmm. or without as as um, harsh a repercussion.
1: Yeah. G- there is that.
0: Yeah. So when I watch Star Trek, sometimes I see that. I, I, see, I see that sense of like, this is empowering and free love. And I'm like, it's not empowering. This is just a way for you to, to have sex with women and walk away. Um. I, and also it reminds me of this thing, which was that... Um, Christian missionaries would go to Africa and they'd tell these people they're savages and that they had to dress more appropriately. So they'd make them all dress up out of their grass skirts and their cultural headdresses and all this stuff and make them wear Puritan sort of clothes. And then a century later, where where, where are they now? What's happened? Well, you have all these celebrities and all these um, Westerners coming to their country in tank tops and Jean shorts, going. Why are you all repressed? Wearing all these clothes, you should take them all off. And there's just this part of me of like when I watch Star Trek, I'm like, you know, I think you're looking at this. That this is not, this is not real. This is a, this is the way that this one group of people look at, and you're projecting it onto the whole of humanity. And when you so, and the reason I bring that up is because when I would, I love Star Trek. And I watch that stuff. And there's a part of me that in my head, because I'm stupid like this, I have an entire Star Trek series in my head. I've got the name of it and everything. And it's like, this is this would be so cool. And there's a part of me that has that feeling of, well, you don't belong in Star Trek. And no one wants to hear your voice. Because they don't want to hear that stuff. Uh, they're not interested. And so when you talk about how, women aren't worth a whole lot that you get that impression and that you your voice doesn't matter. I I kind of have an empathy for that because I feel a similar way of like because of my background, there's this sense of like I'm not supposed to talk about it in a way that doesn't make people uncomfortable. I'm only allowed to talk about it in a sort of in an uncle Tom way. (laughs) Right? Yeah. I mean
1: if you're a woman and you um, express your displeasure with something, you have rage issues.
0: You do. You're nasty. Yeah. Well, uh, well calm, down, down, not, down, calm down. Calm down. Calm down, Ashley.
1: Calm down. Calm down. Now, you listen. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm an incredibly angry person. I, <laughs> really? I think if you're, I, oh, horribly angry. Okay. I think that if, um, if you're not. Angry on some level, you're not paying attention. <laughs> you know, the world is literally burning down around us. It's true. Yeah. You know, I mean, you don't have to live live and breathe that every day. No. Um, but there's there's a lot to sort of be relatively upset yeah, about. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. So um, it's difficult um, to try and express that in a way that people will hear. Yeah. Instead of just observe you. Express. Right. There's a lot of people observing women express things and then judging the way they express it as opposed to hearing what they're actually saying. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah. Uh so that's that's in, an interesting sort of hurdle to overcome as well. Like even something yeah. as small as composing a tweet. You know, it's like, okay, you know, who's right. gonna see this? Who am I trying to get through to? Who is this actually for? Right. And then you have to kind of edit down for, for who it's for and and just, you know, decide that uh, who it's not for, you're fine with, you know, whatever horrible comments come your way going, yeah, okay, it's not for you. Like, I've accepted that. That's fine.
0: Yeah. And just sort of moving past them, right? Just ignoring it. Because... Trying to, yeah. Yeah, what, what's the point otherwise? I mean, get caught up in that crap. Um, but mm-hmm. th- there is that sense of just um that, that your voice isn't worth hearing um and so my,
1: when my you do my
0: unsanitized speak, voice
1: is not <laughs> my unsanitized <laughs> voice is not worth hearing
0: so yeah
1: I, but, I have to i have to clean it up yes and make it pretty yeah and make it digestible yeah otherwise it it's not
0: what you're saying. It's how you saying it. Right. I, 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 I really get that because uh, I'll say stuff sometimes and people go, wow, that's so wise. And I go, yeah, it's in the Quran. And I'll watch their face just go, glaze And I'm like, I, well, I'm not trying to convert you. I'm not. This isn't like a, a trick that I did. I'm just telling you where I got it from because you responded (laughs) to it like why are you acting now like i'm trying to trick you into this and then suddenly now you want to reject it you were fine with it beforehand like what's the problem um and it's so there's definitely a thing of like you have to edit yourself in a way that other people don't um and that kind of self-editing after a while just makes you go well i know all the stuff i cut i know all the stuff i didn't say and what you say then is now up for scrutiny and if you guess i guess if you don't get the right response you feel like oh was it worth it it's hard. I, I i don't have a solution to that it's tough
1: yeah yeah i mean it's uh it's interesting so when it comes to to writing an actual story mm. it it sort of uh it kind of gets in the way you know mentally you know how do i want to tell this tale you know like how do i how am i going to bring in a readership that will be of a high enough demographic percentage across the board that a publisher will be interested in it. Right. You know, or is it just going to be like an angry woman's lit book? know,
0: <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, it's, yeah, that's, does that stop you? Does that hold you, you know, back? It's
1: something that I think about. It's something that I think about because you know, self-publishing is a route. Mm-hmm. It is a choice, but it is also, you know, Again, it's a choice that is, you know, in some circles looked down upon as right. less than. Oh, you couldn't get a publisher, so you had to self-publish.
0: Right. Yes, that's true. You know? Yeah, that's how some and people then, feel.
1: And then if you've already self-published, you know, some publishing houses don't want to have anything to do with you, go well, you're self-published. You know right. you only deal with new authors. You're not new, you have self-published. Really? So it's sort of this catch-22. It is a
0: catch-22. That. You're damned
1: if you do, and you're damned if you don't.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean,
1: right,
0: so it's, it, it's in there. Yeah, it is in there, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, this this podcast series that I'm, is, I'm intending at time I haven't published any of these, but I'm intending to call it the Writer's Jihad. And I it occurred to me today that that might get flagged by Apple that word. And I'm not even know how to use it. Um,
1: yeah. So I haven't. I and don't even, right?
0: right. So and in my mind, I'm like, but that word is the perfect description for this because it's a struggle for peace and it's got nothing to do with the nonsense that these filthy dogs talk about so yeah it's it's actually it's really weird right because that's a part of you and so the fact that it's impinging you is definitely going to make you indignant and it's definitely a problem it's definitely it's a it's strange right because there's people who don't think yeah yeah so it's yeah it's it's just it's who you are right and yes. and so, as a result, and you've got to sort of you've got to place who you i mean it's difficult because you're a writer, you're trying to write, you're trying to put your voice on the page, and you have to first of all ask yourself whether or not your voice is something anyone wants to hear, and what counts as is my voice even valid?
1: yeah, I mean like I've already considered um pen names not being. Really? Gender specific, right? Really? That's why there's so many pen names. That's like initial, initial last name.
0: Right. Uh, DC Fontana, who wrote Star Trek, yeah. was a woman, right?
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then people just they just fill in their own blanks and they assume and they're happy and they go about their lives and yeah. it's no big deal as it should be. Yeah, no and then
0: sure. and then like. Fifty years later, some guy on the internet goes, "Women shouldn't be involved in Star Trek." He's like you are an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> you just you're a fool. <laughs> like, you don't know what yeah. you're doing. Know. Um, but also, I mean, not only even even getting past all that aspect of it, there's still the identity of being a writer, regardless of gender, background, whatever, as you mentioned. Uh, if you're self-published, you're not a real writer, right? That doesn't yeah. count, apparently. Uh, and like what I mentioned about this concept of writer's right you didn't finish your work, so you didn't write anything. You didn't publish it, so you're not a writer. And so there's that standard. So what standards in your head, What? what... Okay, imagine if tomorrow you could wake up in a parallel world where you are a writer. What would be the situation that you're in that makes you say, I shouldn't have imposter syndrome?
1: Uh, it would be the classic, you know, I have published at least one book that was well received enough for me to continue to have it as my day job. Right. Right. where I could get paid to do that and not have to do anything else.
0: Right. So you're earning a living. And from I like... could
1: say I'm an author and people go, oh, what did you write? And I could go this and right. show them you know, like a yeah. webpage to a, a waterstones or an indigo or like a valid bookstore site yeah you
0: know um, and then uh, you have to ask yourself Neil Gaiman has all that and more and he hasn't lost
1: exactly right so so would uh, that
0: really get rid of it yeah no i
1: mean <clears throat>
0: you see that i don't well, think it's got anything to do with success in publishing it because if it did these people wouldn't have imposter syndrome but they all have it
1: i don't think it's anything that can be gotten rid of from an external source mm-hmm. i think it can't be eliminated internally sure that takes a lot of work and a lot of introspection <laughs> right and that's a lot of painful it's painful i don't want to look at that why are we looking at that it's, I mean, so it's exhausting it's so exhausting so, like why it's why we absolutely uh, wretched yeah Mm-mm you know but but at the end of the day you're a human being Mm. and a lot of writing is touching on the core of being human yeah so if you're a human being yeah belong you already belong
0: yeah I, uh, i yeah i i feel like um with art what you're doing is you're taking something very personal and then you you turn it into something universal and then everyone repersonalizes it on their end and that's the trick of it, right? Um, so I, I remember I saw I saw a I think it was like the culture show or something. They had an artist uh, a Scottish guy but he had like an Italian sounding name, but he was Scottish. He did all these paintings and they were like these film you know like those noirish romance novels. But the paintings mm-hmm. were like the covers of those things, so the women with nylon and dark, smoky things with guys, and they're like they're impassioned embraces. It's like very titillating in that sense, but they're all fully clothed. It's not, it's not even softcore. It was just that that romance noir vibe, right?
1: Yeah, somebody's got a pistol or something, right? No, maybe. Yeah, and so they asked these people who went
0: to the gallery, and they were asking them. Uh, what did you feel? How did, what did you think? Etc. One of them was saying, oh, it reminded me of my old home. And someone else said, oh, it, it reminded me of uh, my teddy bear that I lost. And someone else would say, oh, uh, my dad would have loved that. That kind of stuff. And I realized they were all talking about nostalgia. All of them. And the artist is to, then started talking about his work and he's talking about how he's trying to evoke a time in his life, uh, in the past, and what he and the things that he was. I just went, well, that's brilliant. Like he did it, right? Um, because every, everyone is talking about it, but from their own point of view, because they all have different memories. So of course, they're all going to describe something different. But they're all describing that same thing. And there's no way he could have planned for that stuff. He just has to hope that what makes him feel nostalgic. Will make other people feel nostalgic about their things. and He just has to somehow put that there, right? And so I just, I feel like um, if you're an artist and you can sort of, I guess, feel that you've done that, maybe then you wanna feel like an imposter. Yeah,
1: I think that's a really good ex- example because for me, um, you know, part of imposter syndrome is like, you know, maybe you're alone in what you're feeling. Right. You feel them. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. You
1: don't belong because you are unique in a way that sets you apart in a bad way. And you right.
0: Don't belong. Yeah. But, you're, the, you're the fraud. Everyone else is genuine. Right.
1: Right. But when you execute your art, I you don't know properly is not the correct word, but when you execute yeah. your art effectively, mm-hmm you're not alone everybody else sees that bit that you're trying to get to of that bit of the human condition that you're trying to highlight everybody mm-hmm. else will see that and they will put their own experience on top of
0: that yeah. and then it will have meaning yeah i think that makes some sense yeah so how's is, how's is, how's is this affecting you in your work right now how's all this thoughts how's all this going oh it's
1: just uh it's kind of just kind of sending me in circles i'm, I'm having to do a lot of uh, accepting recently of going like all right i've accepted that i'm this type of person i've accepted yeah. that you know i've got you know this bag of whatever to deal with and yeah. you know i've accepted that you know i only have this amount of time during the day to work on things right and and i think um i think that uh, once i get far enough into the acceptance process I can just kind of just go you know f it and chuck a lot of that out of the window and then just start fresh yeah not be so concerned about feeling Mm -hmm. about feeling like I do or don't belong I mean you know in the end writing is is sort of one of the most protected arts that you can perform because you can do it completely by yourself yeah don't need anybody else at really, first. Yeah. You, you can write yourself a story and never show it to anybody. That's true. That's true. You know, unlike acting, no. yeah. which is totally messed up, you can't be an actor unless somebody else lets you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. You know, it's like one of the few art forms where you have to get permission from somebody else.
0: That's, that's true. It's before
1: you can. Well,
0: it, yeah, it's it's an interpretive it. art, right? So you're interpreting. You have to. You have to create. From someone else's work, but the story, the character, and you could create it yourself, but yeah, it's it's a performance art, isn't it? It's very much like, yeah, it's true, it's different. Um, but but so you say you're going around in circles. What does that mean?
1: Um, well, you know, you just you kind of get into your own thoughts, you know, where you put something down and then you're like, you start scrutinizing, like over scrutinizing it. Like I'm an overthinker. Okay. I don't know if. I don't
0: know
1: if any other writers are going this <laughs> <laughs> you know, I might can't. be I
0: might be there with you until I tell you
1: <laughs> right and and it just stops being useful at a certain point Gosh. yeah you know, kind of just have to move on.
0: yeah, so yeah. I mean, when you're going in circles, so how do you how do you what what is happening that makes you stop and go, geez, I'm going in circles? What's happening? Oh, um like, are you just filling up notebooks? right with random stuff or are you not right
1: yeah yeah no honestly um yeah for the longest time um i was that person let's be honest i still have these notebooks i have not transcribed them properly but i've got like you know some full scap rip notepads with some stuff on it i've got some books with some stuff in them i've got voice notes on my phone that i haven't transcribed i've tried all these different methods of trying to keep track of my mental detritus, and i <laughs> really haven't been able to um, sort of get everything in one place until you know these fabulous companies like world anvil and campfire blaze have come out with like online platforms where you can just dump all of your thoughts into a, a world generating app that That's is awesome. online that links things together that prompts oh. you to think about things deeper and it just it helps to keep the momentum going okay. so that you're not Uh, like uh, overthinking a particular aspect of any one thing. It's interesting
0: that the feeling that imposter syndrome feeling that says you shouldn't be writing because you don't belong is also making you generate an enormous amount of material.
1: I don't even know if I would call it material, though.
0: Like a lot of it is just, but it just feels like. But it doesn't shut your brain down, does it? it you keep going. You you're not stopping. You you're you're you, like you go. Oh, I'm not worth it. But then you can't. You're just like vomiting out ideas onto paper with no structure or form or anything. But it's just pouring out of you constantly. It doesn't shut uh... shut you down. Other people. I say other people. I shut down. <laughs> like I, if I have that feeling, I don't. I don't produce. I stop producing. I hold everything to myself. I've got. Um, I've got like a bunch of ideas for things to do with, with with Magic: The Gathering card game that I want to talk about. I haven't published any of it because I fundamentally don't believe anyone wants to hear it. Who cares? So I haven't done it. It's not that I filled up notes. I haven't done it. Uh, it's, there's a sketch in my head of what it would be. A couple of notes here and there. By and large, when I get that feeling, I don't produce anything. I shut down. But when you get that feeling, you overproduce. It's interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't necessarily think that overproducing is, is better than shutting down. <laughs> In fact, if you need if you need a push in the right direction, I mean, just look up Magic the Gathering and look up how much money they make every year. And that hard number should be enough to show you that at least one person is going to care about what you have to say about Magic uh, the
0: Gathering. Well, I, I, you. I mean, when you, you know, when you were talking about, you have to think about editing yourself so about like a tweet and how people will respond. And, um, I've said, I've made the joke that I would say something, but I can't be bothered to deal with the sea lions. Oh, yes. You know, the, that little web strip about like the, the Victorian people, and they go, you know what, I just don't, I can't stand sea lions. And it's like, don't say that, why not? And then suddenly a sea lion shows up, and it's just like, hello, I'd like to talk about what you just said. And it's like, they, the sea lion doesn't <laughs> leave them alone uh, in all these bizarre situations. It's like, oh, I told you sea lions, right? Uh, and that's how I feel. like okay. I'd say something, and then someone's just going to come in, Want to mention? I can't. I don't want to have the discussion. I no, I don't. I just I want to get something out of me. I don't think anyone really cares, and I think it's going to end up being more effort than it's worth on my end to put up with people. Um, but but I I think it's interesting that for you these these feelings cause you cause the exact opposite reaction than they do in me. It's very interesting
1: yeah i mean i guess that's just you know my brain works everybody's a little bit different right some yeah. people freeze some people yeah. you know fight i'm definitely a, <laughs> a fight kind yeah.
0: of i'm a quitter <laughs> i'm a quitter <laughs> but i mean because right. the thing is like people I mean, imposter syndrome is a thing that affects people for all kinds of reasons whatever and in all manner of ways and I think it's interesting that it, it, one of the reasons it can be hard to tell that you've got imposter syndrome or you've got these kind of sensations is because you're not manifesting it in the way that other people say you should, and the fact that the two of us are talking about the exact same feelings and yet we manifest the complete opposite reactions to it, it it's i mean for me, I'm like, well you know what i I should realize that when i'm not when I shut myself down like that that's imposter syndrome so I'm I should probably stop listening to it. And when you're overproducing, maybe that's something you could think about, like, OK, I've got to start turning this into something usable because this is just my imposter syndrome talking to me. Like, I'm trying to make more material than I need. Or I'm, I'm, I'm stuck in my research cycle so that I never have to put anything on paper, right?
1: That's where I am. I'm am yeah. stuck in a research cycle. As my right. brilliant best friend would say, I'm researching and building my community. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> She's like, This is great. You're building your community. Look at right yeah. you. <laughs> so sweet. Mm-hmm. This isn't farm right. Bill.
0: <laughs> That's cute, though. So, I like that. But, but yeah. yeah. Uh, there, there is that. There is that. Well, yeah. I. The fact that. People manifest like there is this sense of just a writer, you know, writer writes. Uh, this is how writers are supposed to do things. You're supposed to work in this environment. You're supposed to work like that. You're supposed to produce this. We've got to write a thousand words a day. All that stuff. And it's like, uh, you know, you're talking about how representation of women has affected your ability to write in its own ways. Well, think about yeah. representation of writers and artists, they're always these weird idiots, idiot savants who get this incredible moment of inspiration that they generate. And it's like, that's such nonsense.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's simultaneously inspiring and really daunting when you hear uh, the story every once in a while that comes out of either a composer or an author going, and it just, you hear the phrase, it just came to me in a flash, all at once, yeah. and then you know you hear that that phrase. Yeah. They've then taken what came to them in a flash, all at once. Yeah. And they've gone to their typewriter or their computer, and they have sat there and they hammered it out, and aha, you know my first draft is out, or my manuscript is done. I can give this to a line editor or a script doctor or somebody, and you're just like, is that ever going to happen to me? No, and, and if it does, will it be any good? Or
0: will it just be garbage? <laughs> oh, it never happened to them either, it's a lie. <laughs> it never oh. happened. <laughs> they, made that, they made that story up, because uh, they, they, they happily remembered that Eureka moment, and then they forgot the, the two weeks it took to turn the Eureka moment into a story. And they forgot every mistake they made, now they tell the story and it's like they're a genius. <laughs> Because they want to sound like a genius, and then they complain they have imposter syndrome. It's like, well, maybe because you told a story that you made up about you being a genius, maybe that's why you feel like a fraud all the time. <laughs> it never happened. <laughs> uh, yeah, wow. will this happen to me? No, This won't. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, that's you know, there's this advice. I don't know if you do it uh, about running, having keeping a dream journal running all your dreams. Did you ever do this?
1: Oh man, I mean, did you do it? I mean, I I never did that, and I I kind of thought recently that maybe I should start because I've not been sleeping very well recently. I've not been getting proper deep sleep. It's all been REM. Really. And, and I mean, like like maybe that's not quite the correct term. Like REM is supposed to be short for rapid eye movement. yeah. Right? Yes. supposedly when you're dreaming, right? Right. Um, that may not be entirely correct but i am dreaming all night every night i'm waking up two three times in the night and, and i'm waking up and it's always from a dream and then i'll fall back asleep and either that dream will start up again or a different dream will start up right and i've been you know texting my best friend going okay well this is what last night was and she's just like you know how did what 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 is going on with you And i'm like i don't know really because none of it makes any sense. It's all just utter bollocks. Like it's just terrible.
0: You know, uh, I used to, I used to keep a dream journal at one point, and um, I stopped uh, because I realized it's nonsense.
1: It is. It's terrible, right? No, it's just it's, it's such nonsense. dream logic. It's not even as good as in as Alice in Wonderland, which is intentionally a dream. And
0: not only that, I've had dreams and. I have, in my dream, gone, this is the best idea. This is such a good idea. You can't forget it. you got to wake up, and you got to write it down. You can't forget. And you, and you go, oh, and I like get in the half, and you go, okay. And then you're finally awake, and you're sober-minded. And you go, that is not a good idea. But you remember telling yourself how important, how great it was. And it wasn't. It made sense in the dream logic world. It doesn't make sense anywhere else, you know. So I, I hate... Now, I, I mean, if people like writing dream journals, you know, I'm not going to, yuck, they're as they say. But th- there is this sense of, like, I you know, I think James Cameron, uh, look, James Cameron said, uh, how uh, someone asked him how he came up with The Terminator. He goes, I had this dream. I was in Berlin. And I woke up with a dream of oh. the machine in the fire and all that. It's like, no, dude, you ripped them off from two uh, uh, Harlan Ellison. Mm-hmm. Stories, right? Yes. You didn't. Yes. You didn't dream the Terminator. You stole it. Okay. uh he. I mean, he so stole it. He got sued, plagiarized, and that's why. If you watch the Terminator at the end, it says with thanks to Harlan Ellison because the guy sued him over it. Yes. Um. Yes. Do you know what I mean? But it's a lie. But he. He said. I remember at that time I didn't know about Harlan Ellison, but I saw that. I'm like, well, I'll keep a dream journal. Who knows if I'll ever come the Terminator? I'm like, you didn't. You never did. And you never will. Um, and th- there is this sort of myth mythology around it, which is like, dream journals are fine. People come up with cool things in dreams. It does happen. And if you want to keep that stuff down, you should write it down. Isn't You know, it's fine. But there is this sort of... Um, it goes back to this thing of like, well, a writer gets inspired by their dreams and gets this, and it's like, well, I didn't get inspired that way, so my inspiration doesn't count. And if and therefore you don't write about that, right? There's like there's certain places you're allowed to be inspired from, and there's certain pl- things you're allowed to write about, and like you start having this projection on top of you of what a writer is, and where a writer gets their stories from, and their ideas from, and if you didn't get your story from that same place, then that's not a real story, and you shouldn't write it, and if you try, you're just an imposter, and it, it's, it's the same feeling, right? It's
1: romanticized legitimacy. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Thank you. See, I'm writing right now. There uh, <laughs> uh, we go. Yeah. And then there's the opposite side of that coin, right, where you know imposter syndrome comes into play because you've written something that you don't think is utter crap, and you go, "What if I read something like this when I was six
0: and yeah. I'm stealing it from somebody and I don't remember?" Or the other thing, you write something you think is crap, and suddenly it resonates with everyone, and you're like, "What? How did?" Do- you do the producers thing. Where did I go right? Yeah, and so
1: then you feel like an outsider because they love this thing that you don't like or think is no good.
0: <laughs> exactly. It just go. There's there's a thousand ways to feel like this. Um,
1: yeah, and yeah, that would really mess with your compass, right? If you've, you've been trying to aim for a certain aesthetic or a certain style of lyricism your whole yes. career, and really and you just have to start writing things you think are terrible. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. One last thing on the dreams. Uh, one, one, uh, a friend that I've interviewed for this, he's a, he's a comic artist, he's a cartoonist. Uh, Roger Langridge, he has a Patreon. And on his Patreon, and in fact on his Twitter as well, he puts these up. He does a daily comic strip. And a running series in his comic strip is uh, there are only four panels. Uh, every day, four panels. And one of the running ones is his dreams and uh his his what i love these because he'll go like i had this dream it made no sense and it doesn't mean anything the end
1: <laughs> <laughs> and his dreams are just yes. complete
0: nonsense and he's like going, i don't know why i dread this this is nonsense um sorry just to go back to that uh briefly I, oh, I, should, <laughs> I should drop that that note um but yeah sorry uh you were saying
1: oh i think i was Good. it was done there <laughs> you know, dreams dreams be bonkers yo dreams, i mean it's uh, good material unless you yeah. need dream material like literally one-to-one yeah your character needs dream material yeah. um, go for it
0: yeah yeah exactly but it's it's um it's definitely a thing where there's just this constant pressure of like who who you are and then when you get any sort of success there's this sense of like well was it a one-off I, didn't, I thought it was bad, they thought it was good, I thought it was good, no one else liked it. Uh, it, it resonated, didn't resonate, I didn't, you know, I, I, I didn't, my writing process isn't like this person's writing process So therefore am I really doing it properly and all this second guessing stuff. And I think that's part of it because, you know, when we interview writers, when we talk to writers, it's always after they've had the big success and they always tell you about how, um it came to them in a dream, and then maybe that's you know. This is why, one of the reasons why I love Quentin Tarantino and James Gunn because they don't they don't play around with this myth mythology stuff. Like James Gunn's Twitter feed is him people like putting up stories about him and going no that's all nonsense that's not true this is ha- what happened this is why I picked this character this is why I did that he just keeps demythologizing everything. Um, and Quentin Tarantino you know, he talks about writing. He's got a very, uh, like, he doesn't he doesn't play around and say, like, oh, I made it. He talks about the difficulty of getting it right. And um, Yeah,
1: and Tarantino also will fully admit, oh, no, this scene, thats a brilliant scene. This is an homage to this Italian movie from the 70s that I saw that had yeah. a very similar scene, and I really liked that. It was yeah. appropriate, that feel. So I just picked it up and... Yeah oh we're allowed to do that yeah yeah could do
0: that.
1: Yeah. Well, I, <laughs>
0: yeah What's that phrase uh good writers copy great writers steal
1: <laughs> yes
0: something like that something yes. something ridiculous like that but um exactly. i i think I there, just ask james cameron <laughs> i mean to be fair to him i mean he did he did turn it into a, that material into something fantastic and made it his own but yeah, for it, sure. It, there is there is definitely a sense of uh, arrogance to go. Oh, I, it came to me in a the dream. There is a great bit in Fraser, uh, where a friend of his has written a book, and he reads the book, Fraser, and discovers this guy has completely copied a childhood romance he had with his piano teacher, like completely lifted. Fraser's Frasier told him this story at Cheers, and this guy turned it into a book. And he's like, Is there
1: even a mention of me in the dedications? Nothing.
0: And he goes down to the radio station where he's being interviewed. And the person says, uh, is this based on anyone? You know, is there anyone you'd like to thank? And then Fraser's like, Yes, finally, now he can make it right. And the guy goes, Well, actually, yes, I would like to thank. I think the person who truly inspired me, God. And Fraser just screams, The arrogance of that man, I'm God and he knows it.
1: <laughs> so i can just see kelsey grammar turning red yeah when he delivers that exactly
0: fabulous. Uh, uh, uh that i love that but that's you know that's how i feel with the james cameron thing. like you know he took it he did a lot of wonderful things but it's a little bit much to go came to me in a dream <laughs> but anyway <laughs> um
1: but i mean my my fear is that you know and i mean if you give him the benefit of the doubt, maybe he just genuinely forgot. No,
0: he didn't. And then that, got in
1: tr- and then dreamed about the short story.
0: No, that that like, that,
1: who knows? that
0: No, that's how they got him. Um, because uh, he did an interview with a I think Starlog magazine, and they had videotape of him being interviewed. Mm-hmm. And in the videotape, he acknowledges that he just copied two Harlan analysis stories. So that's how they got him. That that's it. And. I mean, he, it's so, it's so stupid. It. He could have just asked the guy. I mean, it, Harlan Ellison would have said yes. He would he, Yeah, just
1: buy the stories. Yeah, just
0: he wouldn't have even taken any money. Harlan Ellison was famously generous like this. Like, if you asked him, he said yes. If you didn't ask him, he sued you. So, was <laughs> as simple as that. <laughs> um, but I like
1: he, his style.
0: Yeah, but this was... um, But there, there is this... Sense of just like there's a lot of pressure on, on what is and what isn't an artist, and, and um, it creates that imposter syndrome. And it's interesting that it can manifest in completely different ways for everyone. Uh, shut you down, make you overwrite. So, so, uh, so, I feel like uh, my hope is that you realize therefore that you are not alone. <laughs> that you can, you shouldn't, you shouldn't put all these pressures on you, and you should just get the work done, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, instead of taking a paragraph that you know came pretty naturally and is not terrible, mm. uh, instead of looking at that and going, "Well, I need to change it for whatever reason," yeah. I should just kind of maybe leave it yeah. instead of writing like three more paragraphs in an attempt yeah. to. Massage it into something that I think is more
0: acceptable. Yeah, maybe like to stop. In your case, maybe stop second guessing yourself and just like notice when you're not producing work, but you are producing material, and go, well, this isn't getting me any closer to finishing, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah. But it's it's a it's a tough one. And hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, I mean, uh, we. Uh, when I interview, if I interview, if this series happens. Uh, If I interview you a second time, or a third time, or a fourth time, hopefully when we revisit, you're further along. And who knows? As, I, as I've said before, uh, no one interviewed Quentin Tarantino when he worked at Blockbusters. So maybe I'm interviewing you before your big hit. And uh, that's coming soon. <laughs> Alright.
1: That's, that's a lovely perspective. I will hang on to that. I Thank hope, you. I
0: hope you do. uh, Because you should. Anything can happen. a friend of mine I knew who I frequented on comic book forums. He just won an Eisner. So. And see.
1: This is why I'm doing the imposter syndrome episode. <laughs> I,
0: he just he just won an Eisner, like just like that. I remember when he when we were on a, an internet forum talking about the latest comic book, and now he he just won an Eisner. So. Amazing. It happens. It's no reason, yeah. no reason yeah. why it can't. Um, doesn't make. You, and even if it doesn't happen, it doesn't mean you're you, you're an imposter. It's just not true. It's hard to tell ourselves that. We all believe it, but it's just not true.
1: I think I think it's funny that one of the common threads of the human experience is is not realizing that you're part of the human experience. That's, that's that is awesome. just mind-bogglingly bizarre,
0: and that is a fantastic way to end that. Fantastic. Okay, thank you so much.
1: No, thank you. This was this was wonderful.
0: Thank you for listening. You can find me on Twitter at BasimStory, And other ways to find and support this podcast can be found in this episode's description. Jazakallah.